Church, come on, let the church say amen. Can we put our hands together for our worship team, everybody? All right. Thank you, good sir. Praise the Lord. All right, all right, all right. What's up, what's up, what's up? How's everybody doing this morning? All right. And I tell you, I am excited about the word today. Um, man, look at all those kids right there. Who wants to come preach and I'll go serving kids today? Amen. Well, hey, we are so glad to have you right here at Generation Life Church. And uh, if you're a guest here for the first time, welcome. We are so glad that you are here with us. Uh, my name is Keith, and I have the honor and the privilege uh, of serving as lead servant slash pastor here at GLC. And um, it is so good to see everybody. I'm seeing smiling faces. I'm seeing all kinds of folks. Help us welcome everybody who is online with us today. Hey, um, we'd love the opportunity, if you are here for the first time, or if you just so happen to be watching, um, we'd love to connect, and uh, a real easy way to do that is just by texting the number on the screen, 919-296-0908. Just text the word connect, and uh, that'll help us to connect with one another. And uh, if you are here and you'd like to meet us, we would love to meet you. Stop by our orange tent right out there and... Um, we would be able to, uh, to just, just get to know you, just connect with you. Hopefully, you'll find a community of people who, um, who you'll see that are not perfect, but, but we love the Lord and we serve a perfect God. And so if you are imperfect, uh, you're in good company. Amen. Um, hey, shout out to Glenda Lopez for um, she, she uh, so she put out a, um, put together a a kid's check-in system, and from what I'm understanding, it's going very, very smooth and um, has revolutionized our check-in process. And so praise God for that sister right there. Hey, um, if you have students, middle school, high school tonight right here, we're having Gen Life students from 5 to 6.30 p.m. right here at Cedar Grove, and we would love to see them. They're more than welcome to come. We feed them. We feed them in food, which is important. And we also feed them the word of God. And so uh, shout out to Tanya and Larry who head that up for us. And so if they can make it, that'd be wonderful. Hey, um, are you guys ready for the word of God today? Mm -hmm. uh, we are in part three of a series that we are calling Much Love. And um, it's been really, really cool to kind of reflect over the past seven and a half, maybe eight months of all that God has been doing through our church. And next Sunday, I'm actually going to bring some, some, physical, uh, uh, some physical criteria and uh, information to the table that just shows of all the things that God has been doing through us. Um, it's pretty exciting to see what God has been able to do in just such a short time with, with our church. And so it's really exciting. Um, but it's interesting because as we've been studying church trends, we're finding that not everybody has had a great church experience. And um, many people, as we have been looking over the reasons on why they do not want to come to church, the statistic that we looked at that was alarming said 70% of North American churches are on the decline. 
And we have seen that the reason why, many reasons why, but some have been because people just feel as though they've been burned by church or ignored by church or a big one is feeling like they've been judged in church or maybe even used by the church, uh, even dismissed by the church. And um, most folks have gotten hurt by the church. And how do we know that? Because whether you know it or not, uh, many of the people who are in this room have experienced that same similar church hurt. In fact, if we look at statistics, many of the people who are sitting around you right now have had some kind of experience. And it's funny that if you get to know the people who are around you a little bit, you'll find that you probably have more in common than you actually think. Even though people look differently than you, maybe they're from a different place, different town, different state, maybe even a different nation, you'll find that we have so much in common together. And no, we're not saying that we're victims in any way, but we are saying that here at GLC, we want to be as intentional as possible to, by God's grace, create the kind of church where people can come to and know that they are loved, that they are accepted, and that they belong to. Can I get a strong amen? amen. Here's something that was uh, alarming, and that, um, you know, oftentimes we say, man, I, 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 I experienced some church hurt, or, uh, you know, I'm a volunteer, and I just felt like I wasn't treated right, or um, I'm burnt out. It's not just folks who come to church. It's also staff. It's also pastors who have gone through some challenges as well. Listen to this statistic taken by the same uh, church group that we have been looking at. Uh, the Barna organization said in 2021, 38% of U.S. pastors have thought about quitting full-time ministry in the past year. 38%. Man, you guys praying for your pastor? <laughs> I was like, whoo. I remember a team came over to, um, I don't know if it was Team Missions or YWAM or somebody. They came to our church in South Florida, and they did this skit, and um, they did a couple of skits. And one of them was how this guy woke up in the morning, and he was having an argument with his wife on Sunday morning. And they were talking about the reasons why he didn't want to go to church. It's like, I don't want to go down to that church. I'm tired of getting up out of the bed. We're burning up our gas. We're wasting our resources. We keep giving money to that church. I don't want to go. She's like, you've got to go. you got to go for the sake of the kids and for the sake of everybody. You'll be a blessing. I don't want to go. I'm tired of that church. So many hypocrites down there, and they're judgmental. And she said, honey, you've got to go. You're the pastor of the church. 38%. Of U.S. pastors have thought about. And so we just want to create a place where we are loved, accepted, and belong here. That's a good place to give a strong amen. amen. Hey, and if you have gone through some of those church experiences that we have described, can I just take a moment and say thank you for not giving up on the local church? Thank you so much for getting up out of the bed and coming down to church. Thank you for not doing what the, the Bible calls forsaking the assembly of the brethren, where they said, you know what, I can't take this anymore. I'm out of here. I'm not doing church anymore. Thank you for having the grit that says, I may be wounded, but devil, you'll never take my worship. 
<laughs> I might be hurting, but I will get up out of the bed in the morning and I will go down to the church where I can be healed in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for having the grit that though you may have been judged by the people in the church, you have resolved that you will not stop loving the people of God's church. Here's in my notes. I may have picked up some scrapes and some bruises along the way, but I won't let abuses become excuses for loving others and telling them Jesus saves. That was a bar right there. Uh, I slipped in. Hey, um, last week was so cool because, man, God, God came in last Sunday, and he just had his way in this place and in other churches around the area because the power went out. After we got everything set up, all of a sudden, now the power went out. But it felt like when that power went out, like God's generator kicked on. Like when you heard that old rattly, the, like, like God's generator kicked in. And I felt like in that moment, God was saying, hey, listen, let me lead this thing. What I need you to do is I, I need you to slow down for a moment. I felt like he interrupted the message and let church leadership know here at Generation Life Church and even in this area that, hey, listen, there are some people who are wounded and you need to slow down a little bit. As we're talking about growing the church and, and building the church and being eight months in a church plant and going after God and reaching out to our community both locally and globally with the gospel of Jesus Christ and turning the world upside down for Jesus and having an impact in our community, I feel like God was like, oh, hold on a moment. There are some people who can't quite keep up with that pace because they've been wounded and I don't want anybody left behind. Jesus said a good shepherd will actually leave behind the 99 and to go after the one. And you know, wounds are tricky, aren't they? I was sharing this earlier this morning. Wounds are tricky. You know about physical wounds, especially if you're above 40. We got any above 40-year-olds in here? Throw a hand up in the air, all my men and women above 40. They'll, you can have a wound from your high school days that you think is okay, and then all of a sudden, in the right environment, given the right adrenaline, you can find yourself overextending yourself on the kid's soccer field, at the church picnic, God forbid, and that old wound starts talking to you. You just get going, it's like, hey! You remember you got a bad knee, right? It's like, oh, okay, okay. Man, pastor's got a new step, you know. But what happens when, when you get into the right environment and your spirit starts speaking to you? And it's like, man, all that God's doing, I'm going to get involved. Hey, can you serve? Yes, absolutely. I'm ready to serve. But, but well, hold on a second. I don't know if I can because I got wounded a long time ago. Or you're in a worship service, and this has happened to me so often, where you're in the worship service, and, and you're in the presence of God, and you're worshiping, and as you're worshiping, that song takes you back to that, yes, you're in the presence of God, and it's incredible, but it takes you back to that moment. And you're like, yes, yes, thank you, oh, yes, but I remember that. And, and that wound starts speaking to your spirit. Or you meet somebody new. Oh, boy, I don't even know if I want to get into that relationship stuff. But you meet somebody new, but they remind you from somebody from your past, and you wind up messing up a good relationship because of past hurt experiences. And God wants to heal that. 
God, it's like he stepped in and he said, hey, listen, if we are going to be the kind of life-giving church that our vision statement says that we are, we need to slow down and to make sure that nobody is left behind and if necessary, go back and go after the one. And so today, I wanna speak to the one today. I'd be willing to ignore the whole church if it were just one person in need of reconciliation, one person in need of healing. I'd be willing to ignore all for the sake of the one. And if you are that one out there, I want to say and encourage you that maybe you have been hurt by church. Maybe you have been wounded by fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but you didn't give up on God. And I want to tell you that he is not going to give up on you. And if you're in the church, that's a good time to say amen right there. Thank God that he doesn't give up on us. The title of the message today, as we're in Much Love Part 3, title of the message today is Healed in Heart, Formed for Service. Healed in Heart, Formed for Service. So Katie and I, we went to uh, Elam Bible College, and that was actually their mission statement. And so when you come in, you see on, on the sanctuary wall, healed in heart, formed for service. This was all Bible college students who were coming, mainly a missionary school, who were going to be dispersed throughout the world. And the college understood that it was crucial, that if somebody was going to be effective for the Lord, that they first needed to be healed in their heart. And that may even be contrary to what you're used to perhaps with, to your church experience where they just wanted to use you because they needed help, but when you could no longer help, they no longer needed you. And so we need to be healed in heart and formed for service. And I want to say this to you that perhaps part of your healing is to understand that those negative experiences that you have had coming up especially if you've been in church for a long time, that those negative experiences were a misrepresentation of Christ and his church. Last week I said, if, if that's you and you have felt that, to forgive those who may have wounded you because everybody makes mistakes. We're all human and we all make mistakes. We're all flawed people. That's why we all need Jesus. And so maybe it has been a misrepresentation. And the reason why I know that is because we are warned against hurting one another. We're warned against judging one another in the scripture. We're warned against gossiping one an, uh, about one another. We're warned about lying to one another or abusing one another or manipulating one another. And my prayer today is that by God's grace, he would give you what you need and what I need in order to extend the same kind of forgiveness to those who may have wounded you that the Lord has extended to you. Amen. What's so quiet in the Presbyterian church this morning? Because a true representation of Christ's church is a place where you are loved, you are accepted, and you belong. It's been said that hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. What if by God's grace 
we could build the kind of church where people are healed and, and restored and refreshed and, and revived and regain a passion for Christ and his church so that together we can build the kind of church for those who don't know Christ and our community can find a place where they are loved, they are accepted, and they belong. So, you know, when I think back upon my church experience, I'll take it. In spite of everything that may have happened, in spite of some of the wounds that we may have picked up along the way, in spite of some of those experiences, I'll take it because, you know what, by far the good outweighs the bad. The positive far outweighs the negative. With the church flaws and all its failure, I'll take her just the way she is. Listen, for those of us who have been in church for a while, you can probably relate to this question. Where would you be without the church of the living God? I hear folks, oh, I'm done with that church. I'm finished with that church. I'm, I, I can't. I'm like, well, where would you? I don't know where I would be without the church. I don't know where I would be without those pastors and those leaders who sowed into my life and those volunteers who were there for me and those people who taught me scriptures. And, and I don't know where I would be without the church teaching me what a godly man looks like and what a godly husband looks like and what a godly father looks like. There's no telling where I would be. Thank God for the church. Is there anybody within the sound of my voice that wants to be part of the kind of church that we can build for a community where they say we are loved, we are accepted, and where we belong? I'm going to show you how right now. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verses 17 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verses 17 through 21. And I want to ask if you would read this passage of Scripture with me together, nice and loud. Are you with me? Yes. I'm just making sure nobody's dozing off this morning. <laughs> Verse 17, ready? Let's read. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Whoo, that's a powerful passage of scripture right there. So we can conclude from a simple reading of this passage of Scripture, that point number one, I got three points for you today. Point number one, God desires reconciliation. Here's some truths. Christ died on the cross, paying the price for sin, and he established the capital C church. And he has given the church 
the gospel, which is the message of reconciliation. And everyone who is in Christ, who receives Christ and is born again, you have now been deputized as a minister of reconciliation. My wife and I watch these things on Hulu sometimes, these little documentaries, and we watch Snapped, and we watch Dateline, and we watch all these things, you know, and now we're just watching, uh, what's the one where they're catching the drugs in the, in the airports, you know, and uh, I was watching one on, um, <clears throat> well, let me come clean this morning. <laughs> uh, no, I was watching one on the epidemic of, of drugs that hit Miami in the 80s. And it got so bad. Now, I lived in Miami for a little while, so I know about it. But it got so bad that the police force could not keep up with the uh, demand of security. And, and the police force was just lacking. And so they must have deputized like 250 or almost 300 men in one shot, just deputized them. And it's like, we need help. Of course, that backfired. And... Uh, those guys actually found out making a way, another, another living um, after they were deputized because they became those distributors, and so that didn't quite work out. Um, and so maybe that was a bad illustration, but I know I got your attention. And so everybody who is in Christ is deputized and is now a minister of reconciliation. In spite of your education, in, in spite of your your depth of theological study, in spite of, of the lack of, of your Bible knowledge, if you know Christ and you know what he did in your life, you are a minister of reconciliation. The message of reconciliation is the gospel. Christ died on the cross, and therefore he has saved us. He's reconciled us to God, and now our mission is to reconcile the world unto Christ. We're deputized as ministers of reconciliation. <clears throat> and I want to speak to people today that would say, Lord, I no longer want to be tied down to the thing that hurt me anymore. I want to be an effective minister of reconciliation. I no longer want the enemy occupying real estate in my mind. I'm tired of feeling wounded when I have past thoughts of what happened to me a long time ago. I've let the devil hit me with a double whammy. You guys remember that old show, Press Your Luck? Big bucks, big bucks, no whammies, no whammies, stop. <clears throat> you know they're coming back out with that show? They're redoing that show? I was so excited when I heard about that. Press Your Luck was, was such a great show. They come out to Hollywood, and, and they're trying to make some money, and they've got a couple of contestants, and they got this big screen up there, and it's, and it's just a, a light that's going boop, 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 around 1,000, 2,500, all these different prizes, and, and you got to hit it just right. And so they say, come on, big bucks, big bucks, big bucks, no whammy, stop. And then they say, and stop at a whammy. And in that moment, Everybody loses everything that they flew out to Hollywood for, trying to come out and get retirement. Like, I'm out here trying to get rent. I got eight grand up on the board, and now I just lost everything in one shot. It's like, man. And that's a bummer that they lost it, but it's a double whammy because after that happens, there's a little devil that pops up on the, on the board there, and he comes out, and he starts giggling. <laughs> and, sometimes, and he used to put like a stick of dynamite over here, and he'd go, Boom, and when he did, all your money disappeared. 
Or they had one where he was breakdancing on there. He just came across, he was like, hey, you know. And I'm like, it's a funny illustration just to kind of make light of stuff, you know. But um, at the same time, that's exactly how it is in our lives when we don't walk in forgiveness with one another. When we don't have reconciliation in our lives, it's as if the enemy occupies real estate in our heart, in our mind long term. Because every time we think about it, we had the offense happen to us. But every time the context is right or we get into a certain environment or we think about it or we hear a song or see a person, we relive that same hurt over and over because we have not been reconciled. We have not received forgiveness for it or we have not asked for forgiveness for it. And God wants us to be ministers of reconciliation. And when we take that to Christ Each remembrance is an opportunity to forgive. Each remembrance is an opportunity for God to work all things together for good in our lives. This is exactly what Paul was talking about. He's like, if you can forgive them, you can be set free. You can have reconciliation. First, being reconciled unto God through repentance and having been reconciled unto one another. Let me just press pause for a moment. Have you been reconciled unto God? Have you given your life to Christ? If you haven't, I want to ask that you would come see me right after this service and we'll have a conversation together. But have you been reconciled to one another? Which leads me to this little illustration that um, somebody has shown me. I need two volunteers. You guys, you guys got a few moments? Got a few minutes? All right, everybody cool? Good. All right. I need two volunteers. Now, um, I don't know, man, if you guys wanted to. Jeremy, come on up. Stutz, can I count on you? Come on up. Bubba, come on up, Caleb. Let me, let me ask. So when we're talking about, here, let's join. Join me up on stage. Come on, let me see you hit that leap. There we are. I knew all these guys could get up. No, 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 not yet, not yet. So I want to show what a minister of reconciliation is. So, Caleb, I'm going to need you over here on the far left. Stutz. Now, Jeremy, you come on over here and take the brunt because you're the youngest. So, all right, you're going to be here. Stutz, you're over here, but we're going to snug in real, real tight, right? This is what a minister of reconciliation is. This is, this is what it looks like. No, you're actually going to stand facing us, and then what you're going to do is we're going to drop to our knees. You're going to walk over us, okay. all right? So this is the ministry of reconciliation right here. Come on, let's, let's kneel down. Let's kneel down. We're going to step right on us. Yeah, I, that would be helpful. That would be appreciated, I can tell you that. Come on, slide in here. No, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, I want you to step on Jeremy first. Oh, you did? Oh, slow down, slow down. I was hoping he was going to step on them and step over me and step on. This is what the ministry of reconciliation is right here. It's those who have been reconciled to God. We are on our hands and our knees asking God, God, use us to bring those who don't know Christ unto yourself. That's what the ministry of reconciliation looks like. Somebody say reconciliation. Reconciliation. 
All right, Caleb, now come on over and walk real slow. Step on Jeremy for like five seconds there. Here we go. Catch me for a half second. Yep, step on Stutz for a minute. Ow! Yeah. Come on, put your hands together, everybody. Yes. I don't know if that sub is made for that, so, but I thought I'd not blow out my knee. Um, that's the ministry of reconciliation. That's what Paul is talking about. He's saying, listen, for those who are in Christ, who have come to know him, we've been reconciled to God because of the message of reconciliation. We have what the Bible has, has called, we have been born again. And now he's saying, everybody's deputized to be a minister of reconciliation. Did you see that humility of what it is, though? There are no superstars in God's church. We're all ministers of reconciliation. We all come together. I needed those men just as much as they needed me. I can't do it alone. It's too much weight for that young man to be on my back. I need some other people beside me so that together we can build the kind of church where people know that they are loved, accepted, and belong. Ministers of reconciliation. Watch this, ministers of reconciliation, uh, fleshed out. So my stepdad taught me this one. Um, if you guys know our, my, my past experience, uh, my mother and my father, they got divorced when I was about five, six years old. And my mother remarried uh, my first stepdad and um, several years later had my sister. So this is my sister's father. So we moved from uh, Long Island to Fayetteville, North Carolina uh, for a couple of years. He joined the Army. And there in Fayetteville, after about three years, they got a divorce. And so my mother wanted to go back with her high school sweetheart to Jersey City. So I've done this a couple of times. And um, so we moved to Jersey City. And when we did, we brought my sister, of course, who was almost three years old at the time. But because we went out of state without the agreement of the other parent, my mother was called back to court in Fayetteville. And so we drove all the way down from Jersey City to Fayetteville, thinking that she would have an appearance, they'd work it out, and we'd head back home. And so when they came, because of not getting that permission and taking my little sister over state lines, she got locked up in jail that night on the spot. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't even know what was going on. I was outside the courtroom. They come out and they said, yeah, um, mommy's going to jail. I was like, Mommy's going to jail. Well, she was in there for several nights. But by God's grace, you know, he met her there. Um, they actually had, she said, we, we've, we had revival in that jail. She said, there was some prison ministry that came in, man. And we, I was like, okay, cool. But, but because of that, uh, my mother then remarried to my stepdad. Now they've been going together for 28 years or so. And um, so I, I call him my dad. And so I'm on the phone with my dad not too long ago. I'm talking like four years ago, three, four years ago, talking to him on the phone. And he says, uh, yeah, your sister's dad is coming into town so that he can visit with, with my sister and her children. I'm like, oh, okay. Now, he said, and I think he's going to be staying the night here at our house. I was like, I get that face just like everybody just looked at me. Like, and here I am. I'm a pastor 
right? I'm, I'm pastoring. <laughs> we're, we're church folks. And I said to him just right off the cuff because we know the heartache that whole thing caused in the house for, 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 for time after time after time. Every time somebody would call on the phone, there was stress. And so I was like, I said, well, Dad, why would you do something like that? He was like, look, like what? I said, let him stay in the house. And then he just hit me hard. He was like, well, because it's the Christian thing to do. I was like, oh, my gosh, here I am. I just felt guilty. I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. It was in that moment I said, that's what reconciliation looks like right there, where you have extended the same forgiveness to others that God has extended to you. Ministers of reconciliation. Let me give you the second point, because forgiveness disarms the offense of its power. Forgiveness disarms the offense of its power. As long as, as I'm in unforgiveness, I am under the weight of that offense, right? As long as I'm in unforgiveness, I am under the weight of that offense. Book of Hebrews chapter number 12 lets us know. Therefore, see that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the Bible tells us, let us rid ourselves of every weight and every sin that so easily besets us. When I'm in unforgiveness, I'm under the weight of it all. And I can go throughout life, yes, but I still have this weight upon me. And it may only show itself from time to time. But when I forgive and I am reconciled, I no longer have the weight upon me. I might have to go through the same things. I might have to lay on the same bench. But I no longer have that weight upon me because I've released it through forgiveness. Oh, you might have to still lay in the same bed, but you no longer have that weight upon you when you forgive. You may have to be married to the same person, live in the same house. You may have to go to the same school, work the same job, but because you have been set free, you're no longer under the power of unforgiveness. You have been set free through reconciliation. Because when we forgive, we disarm the offense of its power. Whoo, boy, I'm preaching myself happy. It's time to serve notice on the enemy. It's, it's, it's eviction time. I don't want to throw a hand up and ask how many people have ever been evicted. But let me tell you something. It is time to serve notice on the enemy that he can no longer occupy any place in my mind. There is no longer free real estate here at this house. It's time. You got 24 hours to pack your bags and get up out of my house, to get up out of my life, to get up out of my heart because I'm going to walk in reconciliation with God and with others. Number three, and this is the last point. Because you have been comforted by God, you are now qualified to comfort others. Ooh, man. Because you have been comforted by God, you are now qualified to comfort others. Come on over here, Scott. I know you wanted to. Come on up, Scott. You sure? Come on up, Scott. Give it up for my man, Scott, one time, everybody. 
You could just be right here. You know what? Let's come on up in the front if we could. There we are, right there. Can I get one more? One more volunteer? All right, Stutz, here we are. I almost had to pull that old school pastor. We just wait. We can get a volunteer for the children's ministry. You'll never know the blessing that you... So, Scott, I want you to be God. All right? You hold that. You're going to be God. Stutz, you're just going to be, you know, just an average man, handsome, handsome man, but maybe you don't know the Lord, or maybe you're wounded, or may, maybe, maybe you're hurting, maybe you've been through a few things in your life. The scripture says we're able to be comforted, we're able to, we're comforted of the Lord, and therefore we're able to comfort others. Has, have you ever been in some like really, really cold, cold weather? You know, when somebody gives you that warm blanket, oh man, or you snuggle up by the fireplace, right? That's comfort. What Paul is saying is, go ahead and comfort me, Lord. Paul is saying, I'm comforted. And because God has comforted me, listen, listen to what the, the term comfort means. It actually is a Greek word, parakaleo. It means to call near, that God calls us near. He invites us. He invokes us by imploring us, hortation or consolation. So God implores us to come unto him where he comforts us. And because I have been comforted of the Lord, now I'm qualified to be able to comfort others. And then he said, in the same way that we have been comforted by God. You guys got that? And so the point, number three, is because you have been comforted by God, you are now qualified to comfort others. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. I don't need to have this thing. Like I got a shawl. I'm burning up up there. Comforted by the Lord. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter number 1, verses 3 through 7. says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. Verse 5, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Now watch verse 6. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and your salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm. Because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Because of the hurt that you have experienced, once you have forgiven that person, you disarm the offense of its power, qualifying you now to be able to help others. You're able to comfort those in the same way that you have been comforted. 
Here's the point of this entire message. I could have just, just put this and tweeted this, and if you read it, you could have walked away, but you wouldn't have the full experience. If we want to build the kind of life-giving church that our vision statement says that we are, where people know that they are loved and accepted and belong, and God can make that happen, if we are first reconciled to God, then we might be reconciled to one another. It's opening the doors wide and saying, you know what, this is a safe place here. You can come here hurting because we, we can relate. We've been through similar things. We've been through similar circumstances. It's, it's, it's one thing to say, yeah, I, I, I pray for you. I hope, I, I hope all things work out. It's another thing when you've been through that same experience. When you're broken in an area and God repairs the bones of your spirit, you're now stronger, but you also are able to relate to others. You don't know what it's like to be hungry if you've never been hungry. You don't know what it's like to hurt in certain areas if you've never been hurt in certain areas. You don't know what it's like to be broken in that area if you've never been broken. And once you have been and God repairs you and heals you and sets you free, you are now qualified to serve God in an effective way. You are healed in heart. Now you're formed for service and we, we have people who have been reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. When we have people who have been reconciled and have received the love of Christ and show the love of Christ to others, man, when we have people who are recipients of God's grace and are giving God's grace back to others, now you have a church that people want to be a part of because you got real people who have gone through real problems, and we know the way to the real God because he has ministered life to us. Therefore, we can now minister life to others. Hey, um, I, want, I want you to make some declarations. If you're here today, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm with you. I'm with you on all that. Um, Pastor, I'm, I'm with you in, in regards to, 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 to building a church and, and getting things right in my own heart with God. And I want you to, to listen to these declarations. Let me see the first declaration. That's going to be too small for you guys to read. Can you guys read it? Oh, you can? Okay. Man, your eyes are way better than mine. I want to say these seven declarations together. And these declarations, you can take screenshots if you want. Um, I'm going to have them on my Instagram, and we'll put them on Facebook uh, for the, for the um, <clears throat> whoever doesn't have an Instagram. <laughs> uh, and so um, they're going to be on there. And what I would like for you guys is, is when you can, spend some time on these and read through them a couple of times. If, if you take one in the morning, Perhaps, and, and, and add that to your Bible devotion. Just take a few moments and read through it and just, just meditate upon it so that we can get a true grasp and understanding of the kind of people we need to be so that we might be entrusted with, with what the Bible would call uh, the heathen, <laughs> what the Bible would call those who don't know Christ. When they come here, may they find a healthy environment that they might be healed. Amen? Amen? All right, here we go. Number one, I'll love my neighbor 
All right, you were there almost. Come on, let's read it together now. Ready? Read. Here we go. Number one, I'll love my neighbor. I will love my neighbor regardless of our differences, their past, or appearances. I will ask God to give me eyes to truly see and ears to truly hear their hearts and love them as my brother or sister in Christ. Man, that's a declaration right there. Are you still with me? Let's read this second one. Ready? Let's read. I will ask for grace. Oh, excuse me. My bad. I will ask for and receive grace. Let's do that one more time because I jacked that last one up. Here we go. Let's just to be flawless. Here we go. I will ask for and receive grace. Listen to this statement. I will humbly recognize when I have wronged my neighbor and ask them for grace. I will extend grace to my neighbor in the way that the Lord extends his grace and mercy toward me. That's so good. A saying in my house is it's always good to give a little grace in case you ever need a little grace. (laughs) Third one. This is so important. Ready? Let's read. I'll pray. Come on, one more time, nice and loud. I'll pray. I will demonstrate my love for my neighbors by praying for them with sincerity and intentionality. I will pray boldly and specifically for their needs. I will make intentional effort to pray for my neighbor that I struggle with as well. Oh, boy. Oftentimes we pray about folks, but do we pray for them? It's one thing to pray about, but, man, when you're praying for somebody... Now we're modeling prayer. Number four, here we go. Let's read it together. I'll walk alongside my neighbor. So important. I will weep when my neighbor weeps and find joy in the things that bring them joy. I will authentically emphasize with my neighbors and bear their burdens when they become too heavy. Here's the fifth one. Let's read it together. I'll be willing and teachable. Mm, I've got a couple of grunts on that one. I'll be willing and teachable. I will not be set in my ways. Boy, that one hurt me. I'll not be set in my ways, my plans, and thoughts that I miss the opportunity to let God mold and lead me. I will create a safe space for my neighbors to challenge me and be open to changing when presented with new information. Oh, that is so powerful when it comes to reconciliation. Here's the sixth one. Number six, I'll self-reflect. We're going to look at this next week on, uh, on awareness. We're going to look at three behaviors next week that are so potent. For us and so incredibly helpful. Um, But number six, read it one more time. I'll self reflect. I will look inward even when it is hard. I will reflect on why I believe what I believe and challenge my actions through the lens of being Christ like. I will filter my actions, thoughts, and words through Scripture and recognize when they do not align. That's so good. And this last one, number seven. Ooh, this is a biggie. But if we can get this, praise the Lord. Number seven, 
I will guide without judgment. I will cast aside judgment in my pursuit of sharing truth with my neighbors. I will recognize that I have the power to be a bridge or a barrier to the faith of my neighbor and pursue the truth with kindness and understanding. Seven declarations that we just read right there for thriving in your faith family. Hey, if we're living these out, this can be a thriving faith family for us and for all those who may come, who may have never been to church. They may be unchurched, but you know what? They may also be de-churched. And can God trust us with those who are looking for a place? When they come here, can they find a church where they know that they are loved, they are accepted, and they belong? Can you say amen? amen. Would you stand on your feet? I just want to say a, a prayer, and then I want to, um, I want to worship. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the word today. Father, thank you for, um, <clears throat> for giving us ears to hear. Lord, uh, ears to hear what you would say to your church. Uh, again, Lord, we want to thank you for um, even last Sunday in uh, intervening. Uh, Lord, being here with your presence but saying, you know what, um, let me make some adjustments. And so, Lord, we are so thankful and we are so grateful for uh, leading us, Lord, and allowing us to be led by your spirit, Lord. We love you, Lord, and we thank you that we serve a good God. Lord, we're thankful for the goodness of God that has led us to repentance, Lord. We thank you for uh, the goodness of God that, that has allowed reconciliation to come into our lives, that we have been reconciled unto you, and Lord, thank you so much for the grace that we might have in order to be reconciled to one another and to those who don't know you, Lord, for the future of this church, for those who would come in, in the days, the weeks, the months, the years, and even the generations to come. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for starting with this group here and allowing us to have a template that says this is the kind of church to build uh, this is the kind of church to duplicate. This is the kind of church where, uh, Lord, we want to be the kind of church where you can say, Generation Life Church. And Lord, may it be so with every other church in this area and beyond. This is the church where I can entrust those who don't know me, and they'll get an accurate representation of what Christ in the church is. Father, may you do it in us. We love you, Lord. We honor you in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Come on, let's worship together.